Okay, today's daf is Psachim Davav. We are on Hayam and Bayes, about eight, nine lines from the bottom, Amar Mar. So as we frequently say, today's daf is a packed daf. You could spend many hours, weeks, months, years going through some of the sugas that we're going to touch upon. And I hope, you know, we're going to do it daf Yemi style, but I hope to touch upon some of the classic questions Rabbanim get regarding businesses being open on Pesach and similar scenarios. So Amar Mar, we said in the previous Brisa, we, we, we got into the Psukim, it says Ba'ira, Ba'yimatse, and we needed both, we would not know many halachas unless we had both the Isser of Ba'ira, Ba'yimatse. So some of the background was, Ba'ira told me you cannot see chametz. It sounds like it's only Ba'ira, chametz. as long as it's not yours, you are allowed to see it. And then Ba'yimatse added, even if it's not yours, it still can't be, you know, in your house. You still There is some type of Isser of seeing chametz, even if it's not yours. So the Gemara picks up and then it says, you know, make up your mind. Can I have chametz that's not mine in my house? Can I not? Which one is it? So the Gemara goes like this. Amar Mar. We said in the Brisa, Yachal, if all I had was the Pasuk of that one of these two cases, or both of these cases would be fine. The only problem is seeing chametz. Ah, so if it's not seen, it's not visible, it's yatmin, it's hidden somewhere, I can have it in my house. That's yatmin. Or perhaps the only isser is if it's only if it's mine. What if it's not mine? I just simply... Uh, have a picard and have a deposit in my house from my friend. He's a nachri. He left his bottle of scotch in my house. I would think that Ba'yimatze tells me these things are usher as well. So the Gemara says, hold up, doesn't make any sense. Ha'amaresha, the first part of the Bryce has said, this is the, the case we talk, spoke about yesterday, the Cinnabon case, Dunkin' Donuts. Halach is, you are allowed to see chametz as long as it's not yours. You are allowed to see the Cinnabon chametz. You're allowed to see Dunkin' Donuts. So what's going on here? So the Gemara says, like Hasha, ha the Kabbalah ha the like Kabbalah It depends if you accept the responsibility for the chametz when you see. Cinnabon, it's not yours, it's nothing to do with you, no problem, you're allowed to look at it. However, when you have chametz in your possession, that it's, it's in your house, and your makabal, achrayas on it, you accept responsibility for this item, so then there's an iser of balimatze. We consider it as if it's yours, and you cannot own this on Pesach. So the Gemara says, we have a proof to this. Rava told the people of Mechayza, that to get, not, not Be'iro, it means Be'iro to get, to get rid of it, not in the city. Be'iro, get rid of Chamira Devnei Chayla Mi There was Chamira, there was Chametz of the Bnei Chayla. That was the uh, Chayalim, the soldiers. They, were, they left their Chametz in these people's homes. So even though technically, from an ownership standpoint, it's not owned by the Jews, it's owned by the soldiers who are not Jewish. Still, Rava told them, get rid of it. Why? Because, let's say these things would get ruined. The dough that the Gayim left in your freezer would get ruined. It would be your achrayas to pay them back. So therefore, it's considered as if it's yours. And therefore, even though technically it's not yours, but since you'd be obligated to pay, have, you know, if, if they get lost or stolen, so then it's considered as if it's yours, and that is that is called owning chametz on Pesach. This does come up. I have a friend, he's a, uh, he owns a company, but he, what he also does is he distributes other 
people's products. So very often, he's, let's say he sells coffee, but he's distributing cookies that come along with the coffee to, to service you know, offices, office buildings. So even though it might not be his cookies, but since they leave it in his warehouse, it's in his trucks, so it could be technically that he is Mechabla Chrayas on it. It's his responsibility. Now, he might have an insurance policy, but he's still responsible for it. He has to go bill his insurance to get reimbursed. So therefore, it is a very serious question how he's allowed to operate this on Pesach, if, I mean, obviously, if it's have Mechira, but, but leaving it untouched, you have a problem because he's Mechabla Chrayas. He, he accepts responsibility for the chametz. Now the Gemara is going to get into a question. Is this a Pesach thing or is this a general thing? That if I accept responsibility for something, it's as if it's mine. So we have a broader conversation, a broader Shiloh in the Pesach. And this is called Davar Hagarim Lamamun Kimamun Dami or not. And the context of this of this this is a Mishnah Bava Kamadaf Ayin Dalim and Beis. Let's say someone says, He accepts upon himself to bring a carbon oil to the base of Megdash. And then he singles out one of his, uh, you know, one of his sheep. This is going to be my carbon. Okay, so that's his carbon. However, someone comes along and steals that animal. So, if the, if it's, now, if you think about it, when he was Maktishit, he gave it to Hektish. It's no longer his animal. So maybe the thief doesn't have to pay him. He has to take it up with Hektish. We know there's no kefil by Hektish. There's a lot of different things we'll learn in Bava Kamba. But who does he have to pay? Does he have to pay Hektish and figure out those details? Or do we say that since the owner of this animal, who has to bring his carbon, will now have to replace the animal that was stolen from him? So it's called Dover Hagarim Lamamoin. It's something that now causes him a financial loss by stealing it. So the Machlechus is, Machlechus between Rav Shimon and the Chachamim. Rav Shimon holds, Davar HaGarim L'mamoin is Kimam and Dami. It's as if you took money from him, even though it's technically not his, but he's going to have to pay the replacement cost. And the Chacham say, no, it's not considered yours. So, if you hold that, you have to pay for that, for that person's animals. So you see that whenever someone's responsible to replace something, it's considered as if it's theirs. And therefore, if I stole the animal from him, I have to pay him back. So it makes sense by Chomets that since when it comes to the soldiers, if you lose this bread, they're, they're going to charge you and bill you. So you have to pay for it. That makes sense. It's yours. And therefore, Robert told them, get rid of it when Pesach comes in. But and it's not considered yours. Why are you chayiv in this case to get rid of the chametz? So the Gemara says, Shani Hacha, you're right. It's not a global thing. It's different over here because the Pasuk says, the should not be found in your house. Anytime you have responsibility for something, even though technically it's not yours, you're right, it's not shalcha, but it's called loyimatse. And yimatse tells me it shouldn't be found in your domain. And that means if you're taking responsibility for it. So that was one way of learning this shakra vitaria. The Gemara flips it. They say the opposite. I understand. According to the one who holds, by kachim, you don't have to pay the owner back because he doesn't own it anymore. Even though he has to pay for it, he'll have to you know, replace this carbon. It's not his animal. So when I stole from him, I didn't steal from him. I stole from Hektish. I, he's going to have to, it's going to cost him money. Okay. That's a uh, dover hagoyer in the moment. I caused him to lose money. It's a grandma, but I'm not chayev. 
so then, hiding to itcher, that's when you need a pasuk by chametz to tell me chametz is different. La yimatze. But alamanda, I'm like the mamandami. dummy. La yimatze lamuli. Why do I need a pasuk of la yimatze to tell me that I'm chayiv? In this case, of course you're chayiv. If you hold davar agarim the mamandami is kemamandami, of course you'd have to pay back. Of course, since I would have to pay back the uh, the soldiers, so it should be considered mine, and I would have to get rid of it. Why do I, why do I need a pasuk of layimatze? So the Gemara says it's trich. So could I have thought to say perhaps that let's say the chametz was around, so all you need to do is just give it to the nachri. So if the nachri would come on Pesach and looking for his frozen bread that he keeps in my freezer, he's a soldier and he has rights to having frozen bread in everyone's freezer. I'll give him the bread. Here, take it, enjoy. So that would show that it's not it's, it's not mine. It's his. It's his the whole time. I'm just watching it. So I would say this is not your classic example of Dover Hagarim the Mammon. When it gets stolen, now I owe. Okay, so maybe that's where the concept of Dover Hagarim the Mammon kicks in. But when it's still here, why do we have to get into the question of Dover Hagarim the Mammon? It's here. Take it back. It's yours. So I would say I'm not over by Rabbi Yimatzeh. By simply having the Nachri's bread in the freezer, when it gets stolen, we'll, we'll discuss if I have to pay back or not. But when it's still here, why does it have to be mine in Lamdas? And therefore, Kamash Mulan, even independent of Dover Hagarim the Mammon, there's a halacha called Bayimatse, a pasuk Bayimatse, which tells me anytime it's in your possession and you're a chroy for it, you're responsible for it, then you would be chayev to. To uh, you be over by your by you must get rid of this chametz before Pesach. So we mentioned this. There's a um, there are many questions one can ask talking about when I'm responsible for something. So let's say the classic example would be your coworker leaves something in your house. So if you take responsibility for it, if it gets stolen or lost, he'll come and say, hey, what, what happened? You didn't watch my object. So then everyone agrees, that's a problem. That's Bayimatze. What, what gets complicated is when it's not exactly a clear agreement on behalf of the Yid and the Nachri. An example would be, let's say you work in an office building. It's a Jewish-owned you know, uh, office. However, they have vending machines. And these vending machines sell chametz. It sells, I don't know, you know, uh, it could be chocolate-covered wafers, Kit Kats could be chametz. There are a lot of things that could actually be chametz in your classic vending machine, cookies, Oreos. But the vending machine is a third party, a non-Jew, and they just, they, they pay for the rights to have vending machines in different offices. So do we, the from you know, or the Jewish-owned business, do we have to get rid of this snack machine before Pesach, this chametz in our possession? Are we accepting a chrias on this? And you have to get rid into it. If someone would break into the vending machine, whose responsibility would it be? Would it be the office? Would it be the vending machine is taking, you know, at their own risk? That's a question to consider when dealing with this. Another question would be, uh, if you stay at a hotel, so some hotels will have a in-room bar or snack option, and they come the next day, and whatever, whatever's missing, they charge you for it. So let's say there's beer in the fridge. I could technically drink it. They put a $5 in it, it's probably a 50 cents bottle of beer. They charge you five or 10 bucks if it's not there the next morning. So is that cool that I accepted a chryas on it? Did I accept a chryas on the beer in my fridge by just checking into this Hilton? Or maybe not. Maybe it's not considered that I accepted a chryas in it. So another interesting question to think about regarding accepting a chryas, accepting responsibility for chametz. Okay, let's keep going. 
Maybe we'll get back to some of these uh, halachas towards towards the end of the daf. Okay. Just some background before the next Gemara. The Gemara is talking about Bechar. So when a person has a Bechar, when your Behema Tahira gives birth to a the first offspring, you give the Bechar as a Matnas Kahuna. It's one of the 24 presents they give to the Kayan. And the Kayan brings it on the Mizbeach. Very nice. This is only when it is totally owned by the Yid. What if there's a non-Jewish partner involved in the, you know, owns part of the animal or part of the, you know, the ranch? So the halacha is, you're not chayiv and bechor, that's a gzairus hakasif. So they asked the following question from Rava. You know, by the way, this is the classic way to avoid uh, giving, you know, bechor to manas especially today. You don't have kahanim or atar, you're not going to bring a carbon anyways. So what exactly is the point of having a bechor? So there are many chuvas in the Avenezer and other paiskim. Rav Kook discusses this regarding how to properly sell your animals to the to the to the nachri to give him you know make him a partner and therefore your partner from bachar so the gemara they asked the shayla from rabba boy my name is rabba behemas arnoina chayavas bebachara i ain chayavas bebachara let's say you have an animal that you have to give 10 percent they have a 10 percent tax on animals have to be given to the city, to the to the government, ten percent tax. So, question is, do we consider this ten percent as if the governor, the government, is a, a, a partner in our business that they get, they receive ten percent? Maybe it's not chayev in bechara. What's the shaila here? The shaila is, if I had a real partner so obviously i would be putter if i had a real partner that was non-jewish so of course i would be putter from from uh from from giving from separating uh sorry from bringing the bachar as a carbon because there's a non-jewish partnership here however the question is like this that in this case <clears throat> it's not the government they have the rights to it so maybe I should say, I am chayv. I'm chayv to give, I'm chayv in Bechar, and I have to pay them off, right? So this is a, uh, it's a fundamental question. You could actually ask a political question. Is the governor a partner in you? This is not a political ad, but it's an interesting thing to think about. Or no, you just owe them money, but they're not partners in your deal. So the Gemara tries to figure out, you know, based on some of the details. If you could just pay them cash, and you don't need to... Give the animal itself. Like coming by on the chayv. Of course, you chayv and bechar. You don't have this. The animal doesn't belong to the to the to the government to the nachri. You just have to pay them. It's just a regular tax. Where they want the animal itself. So then, perhaps it's considered partnership with the with the nachri. So my what's the halacha? Who Rava responded patura patur. You're indeed patur because that is considered a real partnership, and you're patur. Vatanya chayeves. We have another brisa that says your chayev thing. Marsa's hasam dematzin salary. That case, that government situation, was where they were able to pay cash instead of giving the animal itself, and therefore it's it's a jump to say that the government is a partner in the animals. Ikad amri. Another way to to another version of what Rav said. Amarav behemas anana petumin bechara. Behema of of anana of which is, actually means taxes, is put from Bechar, even if you can uh, pay off, still your putter. We always consider it a, a uh, that the government has a chalik in each behemoth. 
I, I could pay it off. Okay, but until you pay it off, until you pay cash, they have the rights to come collect from the animal itself. And therefore, part of the animal is, the animals are, are owned, bishutfis, with the government, and it's patr from Bechar. What about isas or naina? Let's say there was a tax on every single dough. So the halach is, when it comes to the hafrashas chala, the, the psukim and parashas shalach tell us that anytime you're making rishas every sesechem, when you make a dough, you're chayv and chala. So if the halach is only if the dough was made by a by a Jew, a Jewish-owned company. What if you have a non-Jew or a non-Jewish company that makes dough, your Rhodes dough, frozen dough you buy in the freezer once a year? Someone asked me this Shiloh. It's not a very complicated Shiloh. It's black, black and white, but it's something people don't know. That if you buy ready-made dough that was owned by a non-Jewish company, so they, it's not chayav and challah. You don't need to do a freshest challah. You can make challah out of, you could buy ready-made dough, make big challahs, you know, for Shabbos. You're not chayav and a freshest challah because those are already made into a dough. When you're buying it as flour and you, the Jew, own the flour and you're making your own dough at home, that's when you're chayav and challah. Okay. Let's get it. By the way, just by the way, if you have a Jewish-owned company that sells frozen dough, so you have to ask the hashkacha, but usually a responsible hashkacha makes sure there are no uh, challah issues later on. So typically they'll, they'll be mafresh, they'll separate the challah. Even if it's in small packaging, they'll typically separate challah before so the consumer doesn't have to worry about it. And you, again, you would not do a freshest challah if you're buying dough. You're only, do, you're only doing a freshest challah when you're buying flour or you're buying dough without a good hashkacha. And assuming it's kosher and it's owned by a Jew, that's when you have to you know, start thinking about problems. Okay. Now, the question is once again, what if I have a partnership with a nachri? So here it's a little different than Bechar. Bechar, anytime you have one non-Jew as, as part of the ownership team, it is no longer chayv and Bechar. When it comes to challah, so there it depends on the shear. There's a minimum shear for freshest challah of how much, at what point do you chayv and challah. As long as you have that shear and that percentage is owned by the Jew, so let's say we'll use the, I don't know, 12 cups. Let's say 12 cups is the minimum, 12 cups of flour is the minimum shear to be chayv and challah. Let's say you're doing a 20 cup recipe. So as long as the Jew has, you know, 60% stock in the company, you're chayv and challah. Let's say he only has 5% stock in the company. So if the average dough is only 20 cups of flour, so only one cup of flour is owned by the Jew, you'd be putter. So once again, the question is, is Isas ar noina chayavas b'challah? Is it or not chayav b'challah? So here the Brisa says, Isa ar noina chayavas b'challah, even though the Nachri has a percentage in it, you're chayav and challah. Va'afagav deloi matzi masal. Even though you can't pay him that, he's going to take a piece of challah and you still have to do a fresh challah. Why? Why don't we say he's a partnership? And your pasta just like Bachar. So, like, my time, what's the difference? So, Behema is like, when it comes to animals, everyone knows that the animal, the king's gonna come, the government's gonna come and gonna take some of your animals. Every time you bake dough, Isa Leslie Kala, no one's talking about it. It's a couple of bucks. They're not talking about the tax on Chala, the bread tax, and therefore, it's more of a reason of a Maris Ayin. People are going to see you're baking big Chalas, and you're not taking, you're not doing a fresh Chala. They're not going to realize the reason why you're not doing a fresh Chala is because there's the Nachri that technically has rights to it, didn't collect yet. They're not going to know, and they're going to say, ah, oh, this is uh, this is considered, it's Maris Ayin. However, let's say you have a partner, so a classic non-Jewish partner, you would not need to do a fresh Chala, assuming you don't have stock in the company that's more than the sheer of flour that will be chayev. So the, everybody knows you have a partnership. It's, uh, you know, Smith, uh, whatever, Johnson, they, they know that there's other people involved. It's not just Jewish owned or there are, you know, multiple owners, whatever it is, they will know that it is not chayev 
in challah. Okay, there's a good question. What if there's a silent partner that nobody knows about? Maybe there's Maris Ayn in that case, but uh, we'll leave it for a different time. So this is a classic theme that comes up all the time. You have a Nachri comes into your house. You have your cleaning lady, your painter, they come to your house. But they have their sandwich in their hand. Halacha is ain't zaka levar. It's not you, the, the, the homeowner's responsibility to start, you know, burning their chametz. Let them eat their lunch. However, if Gidel Yetzla, he says, can you please watch it for me while I go out for an errand, make sure nobody touches my donuts, zakuk levar. Then, hey, if you're, if you're taking responsibility for it, we just saw on uh, a few lines ago, then that's Baliyamatse. What about Yichel bias? What if you tell the Nachri, you tell the painter, I'm getting out of here. You can have this corner. This room is your room. Do whatever you want in this room. Ain zakuk levar. Nope, you don't have to be busy with it. Shinema, the Pasik says, Lai imatse. Only Lai imatse. So the Mor says, My ka'amar. What do you mean, Lai imatse? That tells me it's us or not mutter. So my papa reishakai. It's going on the reish. If I'm taking responsibility, then in fact, I have to be mavarit. Shinema, Lai imatse. Lai imatse tells me I cannot be taking responsibility for chametz. Ravashi Yom, Ravashi says, Really, Bayamatz is going on the safe of Hachik Amar. If you gave him a house, you designated a room for the Nachri, ain't Zakul Levar. It's only Bivatechem. But now it's not my house anymore. I mean, it's technically my house, but this is not really, I designated here. You have this corner for yourself. That's fine. I. And he's going into what we would call his house, his corner, his room. So let's say you have a live-in, and she has her own room, and she could do whatever she wants there. So technically, if it's miyachil lamakam, she could have you know beer or whatever she drinks in her fridge. Oatmeal could be chametz. Whatever she has, if she has her snacks in her little room, so as long as she doesn't bring it into the main living area, she has in her room. You can have a live-in made, no problem. She can in, in, indeed own the chametz. Then the Gemara says, "Hold on a second. You're telling me that when I miyachil amakam, it's like as if I rented it, or it's part of the payment. It's like a schirus. Remember the schirus kanya. That schirus is koine. It becomes yours. We know. Actually, we mentioned this uh, two daf ago regarding mezuzah. Toisvus writes the reason why a renter is not chayiv in mezuzah midaraisa is because schirus." Loikania. It's still owned by the landlord. The landlord, it says Beisecha. He's the one that's responsible for the mezuzah, except for the fact that it says, except for the fact of Choyves Hadar. He doesn't live there, so he's Pater. But the, the, the tenant who's renting, he's not Chayv Mezuzah, Midaraisa. Midarabonon you do because of Maris Ayin. People are going to say, hey, how do you have a Jew living in a house without a mezuzah? But Midaraisa, you're Pater, because Chiris is not Kanya. Here it sounds like we're saying here is Kanya that it's the guy's bias. Since I was miachel I told the painter here take this room. It's as if I'm renting it to him, and it's his. So the Gemara says, "Remember this here is Kanya v'tanan There's a discussion regarding uh, renting homes to non-Jews. So we're going to focus on one point here. That's you cannot rent them an apartment because they're going to bring in avoid zara. Now, if you hold that Schirus is Kanya, and therefore it's the Nachri's apartment, so when he's bringing in that Zara, let him do whatever he wants, it's his house. So if I'm the landlord and I have tenants that serve idols, what do I care? They're my tenants, they're paying, they're renting the room. 
Let them bring whatever they want. And why would there be an Isra Muslim? Because we hold Schiris like Kanye. It's as if they're bringing in, in my house, I'm having Avadazara in my house. And the Pasuk says, So pick one. If Schiris is Kanye, that means that the tenant owns the apartment, then it's not a problem. Let them bring in as Avadazara. It's only it's my house. What if Schiris is like Kanye and the landlord always keeps a Tvisasiyad, it's always his, so then. If it's always mine, then I have to make sure that none of my tenants have chametz on Pesach. That doesn't make any sense. So the Gemara says, "Shani hacha the afkirachmana b'loshin layimatzi." Really, we hold schiris is lav kanya. It's not theirs. However, why are you not responsible for your tenants' chametz? So the afkirachmana b'loshin layimatzi misha matzbiyotcha yatzash ina matzbiyotcha. That's me matzbiyotcha. But you can easy easy access to it. If I give someone, I designate. Here's your room. Here's your apartment. It's not called matzbiyotcha. I'm putter from. The Isser of Bal Yamatzeh. So once we mention the mezuzah thing, so the question is, on this Gemara, are you allowed to rent an apartment to a Nachri who will bring in a Vodazara? So it seems like the Mishnah says you can't. So why are we not Makhman in this today? So typically you might not have tenants that worship idols, but theoretically it's possible. So there are two answers brought down on the price scheme. The first answer is that it's not so Matzeh for, for a for uh, non-Jews to worship idols, and therefore you don't have to be chashish for it. That's one answer. The other answer is that in today's world, in Dina de Machusa Dina, Schiris is Kanya. You can't evict a tenant. There's, uh, there's uh, you know, rental rights. There's a lot of different things, and we would consider Schiris being Kanya, and that's why it's not a problem. The, uh, the tenant owns the apartment. The problem is, if you hold Schiris is Kanya, Schiris is Kanya, so then, how could a tenant be potter from mezuzah in the raisa? It's his. So that's a very good question, and we said many of the poskim uh, question this concept of assuming that a renter is only chayiv midirabonim bezmanazeh. Maybe if the laws are that a, that the law of the land is that schiris is kanya, maybe you should be chayiv on a deraisa level when you're simply renting an apartment. Okay, so we mentioned that previously. So uh, just just uh, another point on that sugya. Okay. If someone finds chametz in his house in Yantif, you have to put a keli on top. You have to cover, cover it. Now, obviously, talking about Yantif, you could burn it. But on Yantif itself, you have to put a keli on top to hide it. Where does this happen? So what I've seen typically happen is people will buy matzah. They'll buy chametz matzah by mistake. That's the one thing that might actually be chametz with all the chumras and toothpaste and shampoos. You don't have to be on any of that stuff. But people have all these chumras, and yet the one thing you got to be careful about is matzah. So I think every year, in the past three, four years, I've gotten a shiloh. Someone went to a kosher section in a national chain you know, grocery store, and the fellow stocking the shelves didn't know the difference. He saw, you know, Manashevitz or whatever, Geula, Yehuda, whatever, and he put chametz matzah on the shelves. Someone once made matzah bry, ate it on Pesach, which is chiv karis. Okay, he did a b'shoigig, but uh, you have to check. You have to check your matzahs, make sure they have a good hashgacha, make sure they're kosher Pesach at least. At least it should say, it should claim to be kosher Pesach. Okay, so let's say a person finds non-kosher Pesach matzah in his house on Pesach, so koife alava sakeli, you put a keli on top of it, to make sure nobody eats. I'm a rava. If it was hektish, ain't a You don't have to put a cover on top. Why not? My timer. Mivdal bedile mine. People naturally separate from it, and and since hektish all year round, they cannot eat it. So there's no concern they're going to eat it on Pesach. Just by the way, that's part of the the reason why we're so machmir on chametz. 
then we, we're more machmer chametz than on other things. First of all, it's asher b'anav, but second of all, and karis, but the third, the, the, and the primary reason is that during the year, we have no problem eating chametz. You eat your cookies, your crackers and wafers and, and challah all year round. So for eight days a year, we don't, so there's more of a concern that I might end up reaching out and eating it. But let's say non-kosher, where all year round I don't eat non-kosher, so there's no, you don't have these chumras. For example, classic Shiloh, someone who works in a, uh, they have a break room and people eat together on the same table with glass screens or no glass screens, depending on your COVID or, uh, policies in your office. The question is, can you sit down next to someone who's eating tray? If someone's eating Pizza Hut uh, pizza, might even be Buster Bechalov. You have uh, all these different toppings, non-kosher cheese, non a lot of stuff that is treif. And you're eating your tuna wrap that you, you, took, you took in the morning. Is there a problem? You, are you allowed to eat on the same table? So the shach says, of course you could. And make sure the food doesn't get into your food. But from a, from a uh, kosher standpoint, there's no concern you're going to reach out and eat it. You don't need a hacker because these things are treif. You don't eat it all year round. By buster b'chala, by if you're eating fleishiks and your friend's eating milchiks and you're on the same table, then you need a hacker because pizza's kosher, cheese is kosher, your pastrami sandwich is also kosher. So you need that reminder to say, well, but I, I, they're both kosher, but not at the same time, right? So the same thing with chala on, on, on Pesach, you need a hacker to make sure that you don't end up eating it. But if it's treif, if it's non-kosher, there uh, there's less of a concern. Let's see if Chametz of Anachri is in your house and you didn't accept a chrayas. So, Midaraya said there's no problem. And the Rabbanon, you have to make a hacker. You have to make a mechitza, asar tvachim, mishum hacker, ve'im shal hacker shu'in, etzarach, matam, middabdili, in shemine, people separate from it. So, this comes up in, your, uh, in that office, Shiloh, we spoke about 20 minutes ago. You have a vending machine or you have your hotel bar. That, that in your room, so it's not, it might not be yours, even if you hold, you're not over by say you still need to do some type of mechitza, some type of partition, because other, there's at least a, a concern on a Durabana level that you might end up eating it on Pesach. Maybe if it's 20 bucks a drink, you might not, if you don't do it all year round. No, but, but in all seriousness, you would have to put a separation. Additionally, that's why you have chametz in your house that you sold to an achri. So there's a great question, maybe over Shabbos, we'll think of an answer. Why am I not... If I sell my chametz to John Doe, okay, and he comes to my house on Pesach and he looks and there's a flood in my house or whatever, the, his chametz got ruined. I'm responsible for it. So isn't that considered Kabbalah Sechrayas? How does our selling of our chametz get us out of the problem of Bayimatze? That's one question. But on a Durabana level, there's definitely a concern that you might eat it, so you have to cover it. You put a tablecloth on top of it, you have to cover, you have to do something, perhaps you even eat a mechitza of asarat vachim in order to make sure you separate from that chametz. Next. And we'll, we'll try to, you know, quicken up the pace as we, uh, as we, as we almost finish the daf. I'm going to read the Marav. Someone's going away. He's going away for Pesach. And he, if he leaves before 30 days, he doesn't have to do beer chametz. Don't do bedikas chametz. But if you're leaving within 30 days of Pesach, you do. So what does this mean? So we're going to have a machlaikas. That if you're leaving within 30 days of Pesach, you have to check your house for chametz and get rid of it. That's when you had in mind to come back to your city on Pesach itself. Let's say you're not planning on coming back. You're going to Eretz Yisrael now for five months. You're not, you're not, uh, you're not 
coming back for Pesach. So ain't Zaka Levar. And he holds, Abaya holds even within 30 days. Let's say a person leaves his house a week before Pesach. He's going to California for Yantif. According to Abaya, there is no responsibility on his part to sell his chametz. You're not chayiv. You're not here for Pesach. Amalei Rava, v'idatilach. So hold on a second. If he has in mind to come back, so you're telling me you're not chayiv? Even within 30, uh, even within, uh, sorry, you're not chayiv if it's 30 days before? After the Rosh Hashanah Nami. person has in mind to come back on Pesach. So even if you're leaving now, you, you just start a Pesachim Davav, you know, you have hundred and almost 20 days before Pesach is coming, and you plan on coming back, but you're coming back on Pesach, this is how most Rishonim learn, you're not going to come back before Pesach, come back on Pesach, how could you say, yeah, I don't have to worry about Chametz now? Of course you have to worry about Chametz now. So, I feel in Rosh Hashanah now, I mean, if you're leaving Rosh Hashanah time, you're coming back on Pesach, you must do B'dikas Chametz now. When do we say that if it's before 30 days, before Pesach, before Purim, so that's when you're not coming back on Pesach. So if you're coming back on Pesach, I feel in Rosh Hashanah, even Rosh Hashanah, you'd have to go do beer. Va'az Rav Latamei Rav, you see, goes according to his own opinion. Dama Rav Ha'isa Beisa Oitzer Kodim Shleishinam. Let's say you make your house into a silo. You cover everything. Ain Zak Levar. If it's before, if it's if it's before thirty days, meaning it's the middle, the beginning of Adar. It's thirty-one days or more before Pesach. Ain Zak Levar. Because that's considered that you got rid of it. But if it's within 30 days, the key of the obligation of beer chametz, bedikas chametz, kicks in, and you have to get rid of it. And before 30 days, but if you're going to clean it out, you're going to clean it out. Even if you're doing a Rosh Hashanah time, you would have to uh, get rid of this chametz. Why is that? Because according to Rava, that if you have any intent of having chametz in your house on Pesach or coming back with chametz, you are chayev to get rid of it before you leave your town. So the Gemara says, Either way, we have this 30 days, 30 day business, you know. Where, where does this come from, the 30 days? So the Gemara says, Kid, the time you went to Nebraisa, that we have Shailim Adarshan, we ask Shailas and we darshan on Hilchos Pesach 30 days before Pesach. Robert Shimagam, we'll emerge Tisha buses to Two weeks. So it's either 30 days before Pesach or two weeks before Pesach that was Sharlin Vidarshan. Now, what do you see from here? That within 30 days of Pesach, according to the Tanakhama, there already has this obligation for a person to worry about your Pesach. Make your Pesach plans at this point. So part of the Pesach plans is making sure I don't have chametz. Now, the Gemara tries to figure out what's the source for the Tanakhama of 30 days and what's the source for Rabbi Shem uh, of two weeks. So my time in Tanakhama, where does he get 30 days from? How does he know that 30 days before Yantiv is when we start Shalem Adarshan, Shari Moshe, Rishon, Moshe, Rabbeinu, was standing on Pesach Rishon, which is the 14th day of Nisan, the Arab Pesach, Umadzer al Pesach Sheni, was telling Klai Yisrael about Pesach Sheni, the 14th day of the year. Shnem Vayas, Vyas, Subni Yisrael, Sapasav, Mayadoi, Ksiv, so you see that pass, the second pass is talking about Pesach Sheni, and the first pass is talking about Pesach itself. So he's standing on Pesach, or Erev Pesach, and he's telling them about Pesach Sheni, that's 30 days. Perhaps there's no Indian of 30 days before Yantav. 
why did Moshe Rabbeinu tell him about Pesach Sheni? Because it was a great time to tell them. He's talking about Pesach Rishon. You might as well throw in the conversation about Pesach Sheni, but it doesn't mean you have to have this discussion 30 days before Pesach. Now, what does Rabbi Shimon Gamliel get? It's two weeks. My time is Rabbi Shimon Gamliel. Shari Moshe which is talking about the carbon Pesach. Now, hold on a second. How do you know he was was the first day? How do you know it was Rosh Pesach? Rosh Chodesh Nisan. Maybe he was on the fourth day of Nisan, the fifth day of Nisan. Who told you that it was two weeks before Pesach? Pesach. So you see, it was Rosh Chodesh Nisan, which is two weeks before Pesach. How do you know this is Rosh Chodesh? Maybe it's the fourth or fifth day of the Chodesh. Who told you that it's specifically talking about Rosh Chodesh? All it said was which month. It didn't say which day of the month. So I'm Rabbi Nachman Baravitzik. Asya Midbar Midbar. We'll have Xaver Shavak. Sivak. It says by Pesach Midbar Sinai. Uchsiv Hasam. It says in the parshas of Pekudim, Oh, it says the first day of the month. So just like over there, it says it means Rosh Chodesh. Afkan over here by Pesach it means Rosh Chodesh, and that's what Shmuel knows that this chiyuv starts two weeks before Pesach. But either way, according to the Tanakhama, there was thirty days. It's all based on this that Shoyim you know, thirty days before Pesach. That's when we have this concern. We have to start thinking about the halachas of Pesach. If you look in Shulchan Aruch, I think offhand is Simon Tavkuf Chavtes that there's a chiv to to, uh, yeah, sorry, Tav Chavtes and Tav Chavtes is a chiv to Shalim Adarshim Hilchas Achag Kodim Achag. There's a discussion how to do this practically. Should one start learning about Hilchas Pesach, you know, Purim time already? Um, if there are svarim available, so is it the Rav's responsibility to do it? Everyone can look at svarim and get podcasts and online. You, maybe people have their own way of learning these things. A lot to discuss. Does it come up by other yam typing? But we'll leave it for a different time to uh, discuss these halachas. Now, once we mention these psukim, the Gemara asks the following question. If you look in the psukim there, it doesn't make sense. It starts talking about Rosh Chodesh Iyar, and then it goes back to Rosh Chodesh Nisan. It's out of order. So the Gemara says, There is no beginning and no ending, meaning there's no... There's no order in the Torah. This concept of in the Torah is not a history book. There's a lot going on. And there, it's not necessarily in chrono- chronological order. That's only when it's betraying Yoni. In two different parashas, you have a parasha of Mitzayir, you have a parasha of, I don't know, of Hala. Two different things. However, Avo, the Chavin Yoni, when it's talking about one Indian, Maidemukta Mukta, Maidemurcha Mukta. Now that goes in order. How do I know that? Zilatimahachi, we have all these ways of darshing Chumash. Klalo Prat, which we say in Bechlal Elamash of a Prat. We learn from there that we only, the klal is really limited to what's in the prat. And that's only when the klal comes first in the prat. So you see a general statement, and then the Chumash says something very specific. So we say the specific thing is the second one, it's limiting what was said in the klal. But how do you know that's the proper order? If in Mokta maybe it's Dama Prat or Klalo. Maybe the, the limited one was said first, and the klal is expanding on it. The Su, Prat or Klal, the other way, Nasa Klal Moitzel, the Pavoshi Paskin, that the klal 
expands on the prat. Tomorrow it's really klal prater, the other way. So the Gemara says, Yahachi, if it's true, Afilu betray nani even by two parashiyos, there should also be a problem of klal pratam prater klal. Now, Hanicha, the kasha makes sense. The number klal pratam mechakim zen zeh ain't done in the side klal prat. This kasha, meaning Rav, Rav, we understand Rav Papa. If we hold, you cannot judge. You cannot make the, the drush of klalu prat when they're far away from each other. Shaper, no problem. That we don't say muktem uchabatayr But if you could, in fact, do these uh, drushes of klalu prat, prat or klal, even when the the parshias are far away from each other, how could you ever do that if it's in muktem uchabatayr? So when do we say that when they're far away you could still make these drushes of Kalaprat? That's only Bhadin on it. Still has to be one topic. It could be a very long parsha, but if it's one topic, then we do say Kalaprat. Aval but train on if it's two different topics, we know there's a concern of Ain Muktum Mukhabatara. And therefore, how do you know which one came first? The Klaal, the Prat, you have no clue, there's no order, and therefore ain't done in one we cannot make these drushes of Klaut Uprat or Klaal.